And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it is the 1st of November. If this was next year, tomorrow would be election day. So, but... 12 months till election day. That's where we are right now. So uh, just going to wrap up. And of course, uh, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on today. Federal Reserve uh, having their two-day meeting started yesterday. Uh, Jerome Powell set to announce this afternoon. And of course, this is going to be the big, you know, what, you know what's he going to say, right? Is he going to talk about higher for longer? Is he going to talk about needing to hike rates more because of the recent strong employment report? I suspect that we are not going to get much of a different speech than what we just saw two weeks ago when he gave his speech to the Economic Council, as we said, uh, you know, last week. So, you know, probably not a whole lot of change. And that is simply that, you know, we're watching the data. The data is still strong. We might need to hike one more time. Uh, they're going to leave that out there. Whatever they're going to say, they are going to leave out that possibility. They're going to leave that possibility of one more rate hike on the table because if they take it off immediately, markets are going to rally on expectations of rate cuts coming sooner rather than later. And that's just what the market's hungry for. The market's hungry for a return to monetary accommodation. Uh, reversing QT, going back to low rates, that's what the markets are begging for. And again, so any type of hint that that is what the next steps are going to be is going to lead the market to rally sharply, which that would be great but that potentially fuels inflationary pressures because you start to increase consumer confidence. That's the thing the Fed does not want right now. So again, don't expect a whole lot of change today. They're not gonna hike rates. Um, futures are pointing down a little bit this morning, not surprising. Uh, I've had two good days of a rally here, so we had that good kind of follow through. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that uh, here in just a second. Um, but overall, as we take a look at, you know, the economic data, it continues to be okay. But again, there's this bit of divergence that's going on between economic data like the ISM manufacturing indexes or um, the Chicago uh, index that came out yesterday, the purchasing managers index that came out yesterday. Um, if you take a look at things like the Chicago Fed National Activity Index, um, which has 85 indicators in it, they don't suggests the type of strength in the economy that we're seeing in terms of the employment data. And so that's one of the dichotomies that's kind of going on currently with the data. There's a lot of this data that suggests the real economy, what's actually going on, is a lot weaker than what the employment data says. So uh, again, you know, this is always the challenge with economic data looking forward is that you get these data points that don't necessarily agree with each other. But unfortunately, the Fed is kind of driving policy based on employment and inflation data, um, which are subject to very, very big revisions down the road. So this is one of the risks for the Fed and one of the reasons that they often wind up making a policy mistake is because of that data, that lagging data that they're, that they're working with. Real-time economic data suggests a much weaker economic environment. But again, we'll see how this kind of plays out. Good news yesterday, um, by the way, if you are looking to buy a home, you know, when you buy a house, you have to pay what? What do you have to pay, Brent, when you, when you buy a house? Commissions. Oh, right? yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Got to pay those commissions. 6%, 3% on each side, mm -hmm. right? So it's not cheap. And I've said for years, I go, how is it that realtors, for the little bit of work they actually do when they buy or sell a house, get paid 6% on commission when, you know, people like us, we manage money, you know, consistently under pressure from competition. So how is it that this commission is stuck at 6% and competition, right, doesn't bring it down? Right? And, and well, we found out yesterday, a jury has now slapped the National Association of Realtors, uh, uh, Warren Buffett's uh, real estate company and several others with a collusion and antitrust violation, $1.8 billion. That could be trebled to over $5 billion in fines for colluding to keep commissions high. Whoa. So good news for buyers. Yeah. We may now see competition because of technology coming in to lowering the cost of commissions on buying a house. So, you know, that's one thing. So, you know, if you can back off that commission, you can also lower the price of homes. And you know, one of the big problems that people have had as of late, of course, is the, the issue of affordability. So this is a step forward that may make things more affordable. Of course, the National Association of Realtors, I've called them the mafia for a long time in real estate because, you know, but they're also responsible for a lot of these, you know, kind of endeavors to, you know, shove people into higher priced homes and keeping home price elevated, you know, that type of thing. So again, it's not, they are not blame free for our housing problems at all. Okay, here's what you need to know before the bell this morning. I probably just made a bunch of realtors upset this morning. Sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. No doubt. <laughs> uh, so markets rallied over the last couple of days. Look, we've had a very, very big decline in the market and we've had three months of negative returns. Now this is important because we are now moving into the last two months of the year, which of course suggests that you're going to see a stronger rally into the end of the year. And again, we've, we've talked about this before. You've got uh, starting today, that window for stock buybacks is open. You also have in the month of November, a lot of seasonality in terms of purchases for equities. Again, you know, we've got a lot of performance chasing that has to be done by the end of the year by managers. And there's also a very big short position against equities as well sitting out there. Uh, if the market begins to rally, they're going to have to cover that short, which adds additional fuel to the market. So uh, again, there's a lot of reasons why you should expect a rally here. You know, and, and just from a technical basis, you have a very large number of stocks trading below their 50-day moving average. Now that, that percentage of stocks below their moving average is at levels that normally coincide with stock market bottoms, either in bear markets or, or deep corrections. And of course, we've had a fairly deep correction here. Um, you know, we talked about that 10% correction back in June. That's exactly what we saw. So, you know, that we're at that level where now you normally get a bounce with, within the markets. Um, you know, importantly, too, when we take a look back over time and we look at periods where you've had three negative months in a row, that doesn't happen very often. And, and again, you know, normally you'll get one or two months and you'll have a month of gain, those type of things. But, you know, you don't normally see periods where you have three negative months in a row. In fact, the last time that you had three negative months in a row was, at the, was in 2020 during the pandemic-driven shutdown. You had three negative months in a row and that was a fantastic buying opportunity for stocks. So again, you've had three negative months consecutively in the markets. That is a rarity that doesn't happen very often. It can happen, 
um, but it doesn't happen very often. And this was also one of the premises why in June and July we were talking about needing a correction because we had basically six months of an advance in the markets. That's also a rarity. That's a very long stretch for an advance. So markets can't go up consecutively month after month after month after month without having a correction. They also don't go down month after month after month without having at least a reflexive action in the markets. Uh, and again, you know, you can have a period like we saw in 2022 where you have a, an overall decline in the market, but along the way you had two months down, a month up, month down, month up, that type of thing. So you're due for, the point is, is that you're due for a rally here. Now, it doesn't mean that because you say you're, you're due for a rally that you're going to have six straight months of advance, right? You're at least going to have a month or two of this market gaining some ground before the next correction. And again, so it's just, you know, people get too far off on one side of the ledger. Lots of negative sentiment right now. People are assuming the world is coming to an end. That's a great setup for a reflexive rally in the market. So just uh, kind of keep your mind open to that a bit. Uh, that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we come back, I'm going to get joined by Danny Ratliff. Uh, we'll talk about why this correction has been so confusing for investors. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Welcome back to the show this morning. Danny Ratliff joining me as well. Good morning, Danny. Hey, good morning, Lance. Back from the great white north. Yes. <laughs> he survived. Survived. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so where'd you go? New Mexico. Oh, so it wasn't really great white north. But it was... <laughs> it was a heck of a lot cooler than it was here. So it was a nice change of pace. And then you come home, you bring the cold with you, I see. So. Yeah, I know. You know, the funny thing is about it's, it's much colder as so it was at 10,000 feet than it was it is here. Like... This weather here, when it gets cold, like we can't win. Right, right. It, it felt colder here the last yeah. couple of days than it did there because of the humidity and you know whatever else exactly. we had going on. But yeah, I'm not complaining. That, that's good. But did you had a good time? Yeah, it was great. Did y'all get anything? Did. What'd you get? An elk. Nice. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was nice. We'll have meat here for the next year. So that's that's always a nice thing. Well, see, there, there's your inflation solution right there. It is. It is. I got to do the math, though, you know, cost of gas, everything else, and, and see exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I, I like to tell myself it's much cheaper. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it justifies, you know, paying for all the equipment and everything else. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it works itself out. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so uh, of course, as I said today, we've got the FOMC decision this afternoon. Uh, nothing's going to change there. Uh, today, we've got jo the job opening labor, labor turnover survey. Friday, we have the employment report. We have the ADP report tomorrow. Um, so the Fed knows all, the, the, all these data points the Fed already has. So there's nothing that's going to occur over the next couple of days that the Fed doesn't already know. So the, you know they're going to talk about strong jobs or whatever it is. And as I said yesterday, the one thing to kind of pay attention to is, is if they happen to come out and say something like, um, you know, and, and again, you know, when you look at the statements, what you're always looking for is what wording did they change? It's always the same statement. They just change a word here or there. So if they happen to say something like, um, you know, we're seeing some moderating in the jobs, you know, something like that, that would suggest that Friday's employment report is probably pretty weak, considering the last one was very strong. 
but I don't expect them to say that. It'll be, you know, jobs are strong, the economy's doing fine, nothing's, you know, nothing's here. We're, you know, we're focused on inflation and bringing that down to our target rate. Again, I wouldn't expect anything different at all. Um, Airbnb today, DoorDash, uh, CVS uh, reports the earnings this morning, Yum Brands, you know, Yum Brands is interesting just to see how inflation is impacting fast food. Roku, S.A. Lauder, GlaxoSmithKline, Electronic Arts, Cheesecake Factory, Zillow, Humana, uh, you know, just, just again, this kind of long list of stocks uh, today. Tomorrow, I believe, is Apple. Uh, tomorrow's Thursday, right? Yeah, tomorrow's mm -hmm. Apple. Um, so, again, just we're, we're getting through by the end of Friday. We'll have been through about 80% of all the S&P 500 will have reported earnings. Uh, earnings season has been okay. It has not been absolutely stellar, but it's not been terrible. Um, you know, beat rates are over 70%. Not surprising. Uh, we lowered earnings dramatically getting into this quarter. Um, the the interesting thing is, is that earn, forward earnings are getting brought down now already. So we're starting to see those forward estimates that were very elevated. We're starting to see those come down a bit, uh, you know, maybe not quite as much exuberance about the recovery and earnings going into next year as, as well. They're still expecting higher earnings, right? Just not maybe as egregiously high. So, uh, but that's that should be expected. That's how we always do these things. Uh, that's what we call it millennial earnings season. So <laughs> there we go. Well, Yum just reported and they said they see softer demand in Q3. So there, there you go. Yeah. But, but, I mean, look, I was just talking about this yesterday. You, you have young kids, but you know, it's just can. It's expensive now to even go eat fast food. You know what used to be cheap fast food is not no longer cheap. It may be fast, but it's no longer cheap. You know this. It's it's to go out and eat is even just for my wife and I. We go out to eat and it's just like, hey, let's go grab something fast, quick, you know, healthy mm -hmm. type thing. It's like 50, 60 bucks now. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, like, it's not cheap. Yeah. I mean, we split a lot of meals. We we mm -hmm. have the kids, and now they're beginning to eat us out of house and home and mm -hmm. require their own meals. Uh, which yeah. is which is a change. Like, huh? Let's see how we can do this a little bit better. But you know, we're always trying to save a couple bucks. In fact, last night I uh, tried to bargain with the kids on their Halloween candy. Like I remember, so I've screwed up here. We've gotten soft. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember my my dad be like, I need to check these for razor blades or something crazy, right? And then you'd never see the candy again. Yeah, yeah. Where now my kids are like, I'll sell you my candy. And I was like, all right, I'll give you twenty bucks. So you did it wrong. No, I know. I did it way wrong. Yeah. I'll I'm not sure how, how this happened. I, I will tell you how I did it. How? I, I taught my kids about income taxes. Well, no, no, no. There's a tax they have to pay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a tax. Um, but. 30%. Yeah. That's. <laughs> but it was all the they, good stuff. It was Reese's and peppermint patties and those things. That was the tax. That was right? gone. Yeah. They got left with the, the goobers and the airheads and the. <laughs> The tribute. <laughs> exactly. well, well, my kids are even feeling inflation because I feel like I could buy it for like five, ten bucks back in the day. And they're like, I was like, I'll tell you what, 20 bucks. You guys got a lot of candy. They're like, 50. It's like, <laughs> 50 no, I'm not going to have. I said, here, how about this? You guys get to pick 20 pieces you can have over the next year, and I'm going to take the rest. Put, a, put it somewhere else. So that's where we're at. We've got three big bags, and they have their little Ziploc bags of what they're going to keep that, you know. The show may or may not allow them to have over the next, you know, Yeah, we were months. talking about this yesterday, how the younger generation is ruining Halloween with, you know, the witch that comes and swaps out the candy for a toy and that type of stuff. Just, yeah, no, stop Swaps that. out the candy stop with the that. toy? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about, like, the people It's the Halloween witch, and she shows up, and she takes all the candy, and then she leaves the toy in its place. Huh. Stop ruining Halloween, people. <laughs> I mean, at least she didn't leave like a banana. <laughs> 
That'd be what probably go on at our house. Here, kids. I did have some very creative costumes come come by my house last night. Did you? So, yeah. We're not going to talk about them. Okay. <laughs> but they were very creative. Not on there. <laughs> yeah, not, not appropriate. That's a very creative teenagers. Um, so... <laughs> Well, you know, that everybody gets upset about teenagers still trick-or-treating. And, you know, I talked to somebody about it the other day. And they're like, you know, you got to think about it the other way. They could be out doing bad things or, you know, mm-hmm. getting in trouble. So they're like, I'm not opposed to us. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, this is all fine. But dress up. You have to dress up. Yeah, you can't come up to the house with just your normal clothes on. Were yeah. you dressed up as teenager? No, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, James wanted to dress up as a, as a Astro baseball player. And I'm like, well, that's fine. But you got to go all the way, right? You got to put a whole... You know, put a jersey on, put a hat on, and and uh, you know wear baseball pants. And you know, he's like, hmm. He wanted to wear like shorts. I'm like, this is what you do every day. This is you know, you play baseball. You're not you know, you're not doing anything real creative here, buddy. He did. He was Ryan Presley from the Astros, the Astros okay. closer, and your daughter. And so he put a beard on and he got a tattoo sleeve because he has a tattoo. Right, right. Um, but I was like, well, it's still not super creative, but. You know, yeah, it's maybe a, an A for effort. Okay, so what'd your daughter go as? A cockroach. <laughs> what? A cockroach. Yeah, Michelle hates cockroaches. One of her friends, uh, her mother hates cockroaches as well, and so they decided to harass their their mothers, and they were cockroaches. So Michelle did find a uh, cheap coverall outfit that we wrote "Exterminator" on the back and "Roach Patrol" on the front, and so that's what I went as. Yeah, somebody should have dressed up as a raid can. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I forgot the big, you know, the bug sprayer at the house, um, or we would have, you know, to complete the costume. Right. But yeah. So that, and we had a zombie. Nice. One of my favorite ones, I will tell you one of my favorite ones was I showed Danny this morning. It was a video of a teenager dressed up as Joe Biden, and two of his buddies were dressed up as uh, Secret Service, and he would walk down the street and fall over. <laughs> Oh, kids these days. Where do they get that stuff from? <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. Uh, all right. Well, look, we've, we've pretty much wiped out a segment here. Um, did want to talk a little bit about what makes this market uh, correction so confusing. And, and it's kind of an interesting article this morning in the Wall Street Journal. It said, even if the recession, this is the tagline to the headline, what makes this market so confusing? Even if a recession is on the way, it is a poor explanation for the stock market slide. And I, I think that's an interesting point because... Maybe yes, maybe no. Because if you're expecting a recession, right, that would translate into lower earnings because you have slower economic growth. And the consequence of that would be a repricing of valuations, right, because valuations are a function of price times earnings. So if earnings are going to come down, then I have to reevaluate price relative to earnings. And we currently have pretty elevated valuations. So, you know, the market decline as of late really... You know, it shouldn't be that that you know shocking if you're expecting a recession. But I think more importantly, right now, and I want to get into this article, you know, after the break, Danny. Um, but you know, it's interesting, and I and I said this back in June. So back in June, I wrote several articles talking about we're going to have a five to ten percent correction. You should expect that. And then one thing we even talked about here on the show was is hey, when this correction comes, be aware because everybody's going to get super bearish. And it's going to be like, oh, you know, this this correction is is terrible. We're back in a bear market. You know, the bull market's over. You know, it's the end of the world as we know it. Um, to tag a line from REM, but you know, 
I said this was going to happen, right? And so here you are. You've had a 10% correction, completely normal within any given year. And now you have everybody super bearish and, you know, why, you know, this is, you know, this is a recession that's coming and all this. I'm not arguing a recession, that a recession isn't coming or not. I'm just saying is that, you know, this is psychology. This is emotions. And we talked about this over the last couple of days, probabilities versus probabilities. You know, that, you know, this is what happens during a decline. During the advance earlier this year, everybody couldn't wait to get into the markets. Now you can't, nobody wants to be in the market. So you've got to be able to kind of suffer the slings and the arrows of the markets if you're going to invest over time and, you know, understand that these corrections, they happen on a regular basis, and then you're going to have another advance. So the problem is, is going back to as we always talk about before, you got to be careful that you're not buying high and selling low by letting your emotions kind of rule the roost. But we'll come back. We'll talk about what the Wall Street Journal said, why, you know, this is a been a confusing correction. So don't go away. More with Danny Ratliff right here on The Real Investment Show. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com danny yes what are you doing saturday oh i got a little bit of work yeah i think you do what's going on so can of coffee this Saturday, go sign up realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, turkey talk. So just talking about what's going on in the world, markets, economy, financial planning. So we are taking questions, realinvestmentadvice.com. Go sign up. Please give us questions you may have. We will try to address it. We try to keep it right at an hour, um, 8 a.m. Central Time this Saturday. What is that? November 5th, Brett? 4th. Yep. Yeah. November 4th. Saturday, 8 o'clock. Uh, the banner's on the website. So if you go to realinvestmentadvice.com, just click on the banner and get registered, signed up. Uh, it's Zoom, right? It is Zoom. It's Zoom. So there you go. So. It'll be Zoom. It'll be live. It'll be fun. There you go. I'll be sleeping. Not now you won't. I know. We know better than that. <laughs> I'll be putting out the newsletter. Um, so a former editor of The Economist magazine explain the craft of journalism as simplify than exaggerate. I love that. That is that is so true. If you take a look at uh, the media today, particularly with journal journalism used to be a function of actually reporting facts and that's gone out the window. Used to be simplify and explain. Yeah, now it's simplify and exaggerate. Um so the stock market uh, correction as of late certainly offers plenty of opportunities to do exactly that. And we've seen a ton of that uh, market corrections coming because, you know, everybody's selling treasuries or, you know, it's World War Three on the cusp and there's tons of things to worry about. 
And as we you know, discussed yesterday and as we wrote about in this past weekend's newsletter about probabilities versus po- uh, possibilities, you know, these extreme tell events generally don't occur. They have, can they occur? Absolutely, right? Uh, nobody expected a depression to occur in 1929, or a market crash, then a depression. Um, nobody expected that, but those are those tail events that can occur. Uh, they just don't happen that often. So if you're betting on one to occur, generally more often than not, they don't happen. And if they do, it really doesn't matter anyway because everything else is so bad, it doesn't matter you know, whether or not you've got money or not. So um, so if you're betting on World War III, it's not going to matter. <laughs> you better have lead and a lot of it. So, in fact, I just put a new order in last week. So, Well, well, Lance, you know, we were talking about what makes this market correction so confusing. I think it's not just confusing, but, co- you know, probably frustrating for mm-hmm. most. Because what's led up to it, albeit, you know, indexes are up a bit, it's not treated equally right we talk about like if you look under the hood you see wow a lot of these companies aren't doing as well and so most people didn't participate fully unless you're invested in you know the cues or just straight in the index which many people aren't especially coming out of the year that we had last year then bonds have not been working um which i think we're probably getting much much closer to seeing you know it mm-hmm. seems like you know five percent is kind of that magic number where a lot of yep. people are willing to jump in and maybe yields don't get much higher than where we are most ECBs, you know, they've indicated they've hit their terminal rate. Bank of China, United States, probably pretty close. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, may have a little bit left, but probably not much. So I think it's frustrating because they say, well, listen, you know, we haven't participated on the way up, but then on the way down, you know, we still have, you know, we're, we're seeing portfolios decline because rates are rising, markets have pulled back. And I think a lot more people are inclined to say, hey, you know what? I'll just, I'll, I'm going to move into more fixed income. Maybe at this mm-hmm. point, than right. what they have been. I'll find a CD. And, you know, I'm hearing comments like, hey, um, you know, we could just go get a CD. We could have gotten 5% all year. Well, no, we couldn't have. I mean, earlier in the year, we were getting 3%, right. maybe 4 Now we're getting much higher yields. And so locking in, I think, is great. But we also have to be careful with, you know, number one, reinvestment risk, if we're looking at short-term debt. Um, and then number two is, look, we can – you know, just because we want or we think something's going to happen does not mean it will or it will happen within that specified time frame. So we have to be cautious with kind of all or nothing strategies in this environment. And I think, you know, with um, you know, we always want to rationalize every market move. And sometimes that's extremely difficult. Right. And again, this has been one of those years where, uh, again, you know, when you look at just the S&P, right, just uh, as a whole and say, OK, well, the S&P is up 7 percent this year. I should be up 7%. No, and again, no. That's because of the outsized gains that were put in earlier this year by seven stocks, essentially because the equal weighted index is negative almost 5% for the year right now. So, you know, there's a, a vast differential between what's happening in seven stocks versus the other 493. In fact, right now, we have a near record low of stocks trading below their 50-day moving average, that only occurs at bear market bottoms and deep corrections. So again, you have a lot of stocks that are trading well below their 50-day moving average, which isn't, you know, normal. And and you're going to get, you know, that type of action. But again, this is this is why it's so confusing because you have this headline on one side, which is the S&P index up seven percent for the year. It's great, but the rest, but 
the vast majority of markets are not up for the year. And that's that's kind of a huge part. And, you know, the other side of this, too, is that, you know, people don't realize we haven't seen a record high on the index since January of last year. And we're still not anywhere near a record high. So, you know, we haven't had that big 50 percent correction that everybody was expecting. Um, but, you know, we're in this kind of grinding period of markets just kind of trading sideways for almost two years now. And that's frustrating on a lot of fronts. And that's what leads to a lot of investment mistakes over time is, you know, you've not had any return now in two years. That's from the market. So, again, you have to and that's that's the S&P. So that's even with the, the cap weighted indices. So, you know, that's that's the environment we're in. And that gets frustrating. It's like, I'm not making any money. Well, neither are the markets. So you've got to get through this period, though, to get back to a period where you can make money. Well, I think you've, you've got to take in consideration, too, how money actually works versus the index, which is a little bit different in the sense that we may look at it and just you know follow the line in the chart. But also, if you know we're down 10%, how much do you have to make just to get back to even? If you're down 20%, how much do you have to get back to get to even? And I think that's where mm-hmm. you know markets will go on in perpetuity. They can... They can take somebody out of an index. They can put somebody back in. Um, company goes under. They just replace it. Where money doesn't work that way. Right. And, exactly. and I think that's what's always difficult. And, and we've talked about this before. It's kind of interesting. Like we'll have, uh, we'll visit with people and say, well, hey, I've made 7% over so many years. Why is my money not double? Looking at the rule 72. Well, rule 72 requires that we don't have volatile returns. It, it, it assumes a fixed rate of return, which we just don't get out of markets. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that, and this and this is the this is the hard part, you know, and, you know, it is interesting right now, though, we're seeing a lot of signs that, you know, we're going to have a recession or, or we think we should have a recession next year. You know, higher interest rates, uh, spreads on triple C junk bonds are now about 10 percentage points over the Treasury. So that type of increase in junk yields is often a good pre-recessionary signal. But again, there's not really any evidence right now that that's going to be the case. Uh, if you take a look at manufacturing indexes, they're recovering. Um, the ICM services index back in expansion mode. Uh, employment still remains strong. So again, there's lots of trailing data we can look at that says, hey, there's no real sign of a recession coming. But again, we have a lot of indicators that suggest we may get into one next year. You know, we'll have to navigate that when we get there. But you know, the, the markets are navigating that risk to some degree. And so part of this correction that we're in is kind of, again, it's, it's, it's reworking these valuation issues relative to what's going on economically uh, in, in the overall economy. Yeah, Consumer man. spending, those type of things. And, and it's frustrating because we've had these economic indicators suggesting that recession for, what, two years now? Yeah. I mean, we've had an inverted yield curve. We've had poor participation. We've had a lot of the things that we watch for leading economic index is continued to continuously negative. What are we like 18 months? Right. I mean, it, there's a lot of things that the fed looks for that would suggest that we're slowing down. Now the differentiator compared to this time versus many has been the, just the amount of stimulus that has still been out there. Uh, Inflation reduction act. Now we're seeing spending coming from that. Um, So this can push this on. And I think people get maybe a little atrophy from this. They're just tired, right? Yeah. They're worn out. Yeah. And, 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 well, and again, we talked about this yesterday. Again, this goes back to the article from this weekend uh, where I had this bell curve of outcomes uh, for the economy. And we talked about this yesterday is that, you know, when you turn on the media right now, it's just 
nothing but bad news. I mean, and this is every day. It doesn't matter what channel you watch. It doesn't matter when, what time you watch the news. It's just always bad news. It's, it's just this constant barrage of depressing state of affairs within the economy. The economy sucks. We've got war. We've got this. We've got that. It's terrible. Um, you know, it's hard to even get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> so, but that's where you've got to start setting this stuff aside and going, look, I understand that, that if it bleeds, it leads. Nobody wants to hear good positive news, right? Little Jimmy hit a home run this afternoon in his uh, fifth grade baseball game. That's awesome news. Nobody cares, right? Um, but that's the thing you've got to set aside and start focusing on the fundamentals and the facts that that drive things over time and try to get a, get out of this spiral of emotional bias that you get from watching the news, watching the headlines, watching the media. And that's a hard thing to do in, in today's world. Too much social media, too much too much headline news, too much you know garbage running around, and just lots of bad opinions in general. Focus on the facts. Hey, well, right. You were asking about my trip last week, and um, I think the best thing was no news. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like being able to separate from that, and then the moment you get back into where civilization where you can actually get internet once again, you're like, oh, well, I didn't yeah. miss that so much. Yeah. <laughs> my wife and I had that same conversation. Yeah. Just recently. It's therapeutic. So, I, yeah. I highly recommend it. All right. Quick break. We'll be right back. Wrap up the show. No more way. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. All right. Get ready to wrap up the show this morning. Um, we work. Remember that story about we work? Uh, this was the the young kid that was gonna innovate and and rejuvenate the office rental space, and all he did was build basically a Regency office center <laughs> and made it look fancy. And then it was pretty nice. I it mean, was it was nice, but it was no different than any other place that you go to rent an office for the day. There was nothing special about it. But he had created this whole facade around this, you know. This was during the disruptive phase, right? We're going to disrupt everything. And so this was supposed to be the new disruption in office rental space. Of course, uh, that whole thing uh, went belly up because at the end of the day, you need people to rent office space. And he got way over his skis in terms of a lot, a lot of problems. He made a lot of mistakes. It was a great idea. But it was in, you know, investors threw billions of dollars at this. Anyway, they have now filed for bankruptcy. So, I think... Um, actually, they've, they've filed... The plan for bankruptcy. So. Yeah, I think they served. They had like beer on tap. That probably was their first problem. Yeah, right. Companies decide, oh, we're not real, real productive here. <laughs> in fact, I had a wee workspace for a bit, and I can't recall if they had that in there or not. I know they had root beer, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they did. Yeah, I never partake. But this but. was a company worth forty-seven billion dollars at one point. So, anyway, it was huh. it was supposed to be the next great thing. Well, so. I'm sure it was until COVID happens and everybody decides they 
going to work from that home. certainly didn't help but no i mean it was never going to work because the valuation on it you didn't have enough there was never enough people again because you have a you know this was one of those interesting things where you actually have a competitor that you can go analyze that does exactly the same thing you're doing and look at their valuations versus your valuations and it was never going to work out but it was it was an interesting idea it, you know the, the interesting thing about that is that I don't think they really owned any buildings, so they were renting from yep. their competitor, more right. or less, <laughs> and then sub subletting it from there, subleasing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the maybe a lot of people liked it because if they traveled for work quite a bit, you could yeah. always find another WeWork that you could go and use. A lot you of reciprocity. Do, do the same thing with Regency yeah, yeah. and every other one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's the point, though. There was nothing... You different know, you, yeah there's nothing different yes you could rent a room on your on your app it had an app that went with it which was cool but the basic business model wasn't disruptive so anyway so they filed for reorganization or are they li liquidating uh well i'm sure it's, it doesn't say but um it's probably going to be reorganization as usual they you know they still have a lot of debt that they're carrying uh, chapter 11 they are filing for okay. so not chapter seven yep. chapter seven is the full <laughs> we're done Yep. See you later. <laughs> Sayonara. If you make it to chapter 11, you're okay. Um, so uh, just getting ready to wrap up the show this morning. Uh, again, be sure and get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, and click on the link to get registered for this weekend's Candid Coffee. And I'm sure that Janet Yellen is going to make an appearance. Um, I'm sorry, Danny. Uh, just in Ooh, advance. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to try to maybe see if Janet Yellen sleeps in. <laughs> The only way that's going to happen is if you gag him. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, I'm sure. Uh, so, lingering inflation. This is, you know, the you know the big conundrum. Everybody is, you know, concerned about inflation. It's three point seven percent, and you got to remember again. This is what we're talking about earlier. Is you know keeping data in line with reality right yes inflation's ticked up here nothing goes down in a straight line um it takes time and, and if you're going to roll a ball down the hill it's going to bounce on the way down it's just that's the way data works and you get to periods where previous comparisons were low and so you get a little bit of an uptick in data and then it, it, it you know you're gonna get to this period where data upticked and then it's going to go down again so it's just that's just the way it works um but we're down from nine percent so we've done a long, we've come a long way in bringing down inflation. But Lance, it still cost a lot to fill up gas and, and buy groceries and candy was up 20% this year for Halloween. Yeah, I get it. Now, bag of Reese's, not as many Reese's and they charge you more for it. So, you know, I get it. The Fed doesn't want deflation, as we talked about before. Prices aren't going back to where they were. You know, you're not going to see $2 a gallon gasoline. Anytime soon, and you may not want to, <laughs> because if you do, we're going to be in a recessionary environment. So, yeah, we'll get lower prices when you get into a recession, but we're not there yet. And the Fed doesn't want recession. They want inflation. They want 2% inflation. So whatever you paid for in January is going to cost you 2% more come next January. That's their goal, right? They want inflation over time because that gets you economic growth. But, you know, this is, you know, this is... You know, the, the, the challenge, as we talked about before, is that you talk to most people right now, their attitudes are very sour 
and you know a recession's coming and inflation's killing everything and interest rates are high. I can't afford anything. I get that, right? We Danny and I understand that. But you know, this is that part of the cycle that we've got to just navigate our way through. And that's that's the challenging part because nobody knows for sure when or even if we'll have a recession. Are we going to have a recession next year? There's a decent probability we will. And a lot of indicators, like Danny mentioned earlier, inverted yield curves and economic indicators all suggest that we should have leading economic indicators is a good example. All suggests we should have a recession next year. The lag effect of higher interest rates all suggests that we should have an economic downturn next year. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. And that's that's the challenging part. So this is the hard part about managing money is and managing your portfolio is making decisions today about something you have no control over in the future. That's the hard part. Danny? Well, I think people are frustrated, too, because we've seen years where we haven't gotten this prolonged bull market, so to speak, where you get a good year, a bad year, a good year, a bad year, um, or maybe something decent halfway in between. Yep. I mean, even look at 2020, you have that huge correction in March, and then we see markets run up, which was you know, not pri primarily, a lot of it was meme stocks, right? Reddit, yep. things that most people did not want to touch unless you're you know, in Vegas money. Things that were, I mean, look at Tesla that year. It was, it was priced to be the only auto manufacturer and battery maker in the world is what the market cap suggested right. in that year. A lot of people profited from it, but then a lot of people wrote it back down as well. And so we always have to be cautious with you know how we invest, what we do. Don't put everything in one basket, meaning that we're not going to go all in on one stock or just one asset class, because I think that's where you know people get in trouble. And you know I've talked to a lot of people like, well, we should have bought the Qs in January. Okay, great. You know, and we had some of that, you know, when we're managing money. And I think most people did, but nobody had only that, unless you were just investing in that particular space. And even then, uh, I shared, I visited with somebody at a baseball game not long ago, and they were like, hey, what are you guys doing? How you, what do you, how do you feel about the markets? And so, well, what are you doing right now? He said, well, I was investing in tech in 2022, wrote it down, took it on the chin. I'm still in tech. I know it's the one place it's performing. But I'm still not back to even. Right. And, and, neither think, and neither are the markets. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, I think, is what is extremely frustrating. And then you see the bonds, and then you look at cash, say, okay, we can get paid a little bit on cash. And so, you know, like you mentioned, we think all the indicators are suggesting that things will slow down here in the future. At what pace? When? That's what nobody knows. And does something occur that helps avert that? Because we've been seeing that. I mean, we yeah. can make an argument for the last several years. We should be in a recession, even prior to COVID. Yep. And and here we are. I mean, we've, we've got a, what, I don't even think you like to call us a technical recession, right? right. We have two negative consecutive quarters of negative GDP. But, but we had it. We had it. Yeah. But NBER did not say, hey, we're here. Right. Because what they, what they need is, is they need, you know, the, the National Bureau of Economic Research is looking for two negative quarters, but they need confirming evidence of that. And the employment report never gave them the confirming evidence. So that's why they never declared that as the recession. Um, but, you know, it also took them 16 months from 2020 to come back and declare March, February, March, and April as a recession, 16 months later. So we had, when did we have these two negative quarters? Yeah, what, what's it, uh, Q1 and Q2 of last year, right? Yep. Yeah. So... 
16 months forward, I mean, maybe we're getting to the point where they now go back and backdate. I don't think they will because the employment numbers were strong. I'm just saying is that that lag, and this is always the problem with the data, is the lag effect of this data and the revisions that come. And again, we revise data annually and then every three years. So we're just now about to get to the point where we're going to go back and revise the data in 2022. So we may see that, oh, by the way, we didn't have negative growth in the first two quarters of, of 2022, or they revise it and say, oh, really, it, it was a lot worse than we thought. And yeah, there was a recession there. So, you know, it's, you know, this is the problem with data and looking at this trailing data and then making assessments about the state of the world and the state of your portfolio based on this. You know, the, the reality is, is that earnings drive prices ultimately. Right now, earnings estimates are being ratcheted up. If these ISM manufacturing indexes and surveys, which are now turning up over the last couple of months, and we talked about this previously, I wrote an article about it, talking about that we had had such a big decline in these service and manufacturing indexes, they were going to turn. And so they are now turning. Earnings will turn with those indexes because of activity happening in the economy. All of a sudden, this is going to shoot a nail right through a lot of these recession calls and say, well, how did we avoid a recession when we had all this other stuff out there? You also have a lot of stimulus still sitting in the economy. Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act. There's a lot of money. M2 as a percentage of GDP is still extremely high. And that's something to, to worth paying attention to. Danny, last words. Hey, join us this Saturday, November 4th, realinvestmentadvice.com. Go sign up. It's going to be 8 a.m. Central Time. Love to have you guys there. Submit questions. This time is designed for you guys. We created a can of coffee during COVID to simply just kind of do like office hours, more or less. You have a question, we'd love to answer it. So go ahead and send those in. We'll have things prepared and uh, look forward to seeing you guys there. All right. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz to talk all about the Fed. See you then.